Hello there, and welcome back to Lesser Known Works. I'm so happy you're here today as we review last week's fairy tale, the story of Coneda, Irish in origin and epic in style. The descriptions of Ireland in this fairy tale are wild and free and vast, filled with enchanted lakes, a concoction of racing cultures, jealous queens, magical statue birds, and classic heroism. Makes me ache for Irish coastal views, lilt of a fiddle, and shepherd's pie. If you happened to miss the audiobook last week or haven't had a chance to read the story, you're missing out. It's a beautiful classic fairy tale, and I wish I had perfected an Irish accent, but mm, yeah, that didn't happen in time. <laughs> Still trying to improve that skill before I share it with you anyway. Uh, and then maybe we'll do a remake. All that being said, if you don't mind spoilers, feel free to tag along on today's episode as we dive into the story of Coneda and take a deeper look into Coneda as the hero. So here are a few things I'd like to talk about today. Our theme of sorts is Coneda as the hero. We'll discuss the characteristics of the fairy tale villain in opposition to our hero Coneda, as well as Coneda's supporting characters, his wise and brave friends, as well as a friend he didn't know he had. A surprise to the reader as well. Um, we'll dredge out Coneda as a capable fairy tale hero. And lastly, we'll chat about true love. What's not to like about Coneda? I mean, he seems perfect, capable, has great friends, and makes wise decisions. Maybe he's too perfect? So if Coneda, the classic hero of a fairy tale, isn't seeking redemption but only overcoming adversity, similar to Cinderella in a way, um, like we saw in modern Cinderella with Alcott last season, we meet our villain in the ever-traditional form, a jealous queen, Queen Defrilla. I'm not sure why so many fairy tales include jealous stepmoms or stepparents, but they're heavily prevalent. <laughs> Maybe it's some kind of metaphor for something to do with, I don't know, this sounds horrible, but usurpers, because, you know, most stepparents in these fairy tales held high positions of authority. Oh, or, hmm, or maybe it's a metaphor for outside governing bodies stomping on the little guy. Like classism, I guess. I know Grimm was a huge fan of using fairy tales to expose classism, so I don't know, it's possible. Um, but I just want to say that step-parents can be lovely. I have a few of them, and I love them, so, <laughs> so just thought I'd put that out there. Uh, in case you're a step-parent listening, and these stories probably really infuriate you. <laughs> anyway, um, so in Coneda's situation, his stepmother's not very kind. Um, she's the new queen, and her envy festers from the start of the story to the very end. She is our classic fairy tale adversary. Readers will easily spot her as the villain, as she doesn't really have many redeeming qualities. I mean... She seeks to conspire against Coneda, to destroy his reputation, gosh, and even take his life. It isn't until she has her own son, though, that she stops fooling around and gets really serious about ridding herself and the kingdom of Coneda. And part of me kind of sympathizes with her. I mean, kind of. Remember when I said, doesn't have many redeeming qualities. I 
think this is her one exception. She's a mom. She wants her son to inherit the kingdom, not herself, which is different for a lot of villains of old fairy tales. Though, let's not forget her original envy. The king and kingdom favored Koneda over her, and she just couldn't handle it. She doesn't have a redemption story, unfortunately. Her demise is her arrogance and lack of contentedness that leads to her death. Were you satisfied with this ending, or did you wish for something more? These endings are pretty typical for most fairy tales. Uh, the villain is purely evil, and the hero is purely good. Um, but it really helps paint Koneda as a hero's portrait. <laughs> okay, moving on. Koneda surrounds himself with friendships he can rely on, which reminded me of this verse, Proverbs 1.5. It states, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. I think Koneda is a wise person because he seeks wise counsel. After losing the chess game, or match, it's like a match, or is it a game? I don't really know. Anyway, he justly accepts the terms of the favor and sets out on his adventure. But before he rashly jets off, I mean, he only has a year and one day to complete this task, he instead takes the time to seek wise counsel from a friend who actually gave him good advice. I wonder, hmm, in my experience, those who just, you know, freely give advice without my asking for it, like that advice never really pans out or hardly does. Um, but when I ask someone for advice, like when I go to them and ask for them to give me some advice, it's normally rock solid. I don't know. Is this true for you? Anyway, that's another topic for another day, a study in friendship. <laughs> okay. So Koneda's wise friend, I can't remember his name or if he even had one, um, gives great advice and even maybe unknowingly introduces him to our cursed prince in the form of a sad-looking horse. I do wonder if the wise friend was aware of the prince's curse and knew Koneda would be the remedy. Just like the henwife, aka princess, a character I'd like to discuss a bit. Let's talk about her. I do think henwife likely knew that answering Queen Deferla's nefarious favor through Koneda would eventually free her brother from his cursed state. I don't think it was an accident at all. Um, and eventually welcome her to a life of love with Koneda. I don't know. What do you think? Seemed pretty intentional. In fact, I'd say she's likely our narrator of the story and put the whole plot in motion to save her brother, waiting until she had a noble hero like Koneda to fulfill the quest. But what a story to tell their children, huh? <laughs> I mean, I helped your father's evil stepmom try to kill him by sending him off on this ridiculous, nearly impossible adventure, only for him to prevail, save the day, and fall in love with me. I mean, she really had to have faith in this guy, or, or really not care about Koneda at all. <laughs> I just was hoping for the best. Mm, anyway, we don't see much of her in the story, but I really think she's the mastermind behind it all. Though Koneda seeks out wisdom from a friend, I find equal wisdom in that action, by the way, because he's humble, which I think is the first step to obtaining wisdom. A wise hero isn't necessary in fairy tales. I mean, just look at the three lemons from a few weeks ago. Mike by the stove was just, I don't know, a curious and kind person, not necessarily wise. 
but I think having a wise hero adds to the epicness of the story of Koneda's journey. And so much can be learned from this interaction. Instead of being impulsive, he seeks out wisdom, which therefore makes him wise in turn. I also admire that he isn't shy about stating when he's afraid or full of fear. I think it was described that his heart was like wax, trembling with fear at one point. I think it was during um, that, that battle of sorts with the fiery serpents. And through his fear, he charges on. Such a healthy, admirable, whole look at a hero of a story. I didn't really have any doubts that Koneda would defeat the queen. I think we all saw that coming, though, though, it is an Irish fairy tale. And thus, tragedy is certainly a theme, which is why I was so wary of our cursed prince. I thought for sure he was a goner, like the sacrificial lamb of the story or something. We are introduced to Koneda as a reliable hero from the start. He's well-loved by his kingdom, family, with one exception, of course, and has wise friends, counsel. He's a great horseman. Is that how I say that? He rides horses well. <laughs> he is feared by his rivals, and his own confidence in his talents is reassuring, especially for the reader. Uh, I mean, he sets out on this adventure equipped and ready to go, not to mention his friends reassure readers as well, reminding us that Koneda is capable through each new trial. He is tested and proven. And I think that makes a good hero of a story. Okay, switching topics. Let's talk about that true love moment. I was very interested in our not-so-beautiful steed in this story, so I did some research. I found that horses play a significant role in Celtic culture and folklore. The horse took on religious significance in Celtic communities, too. They believe that the care that they took of them was reciprocated with the horse acting as protector, which is kind of what we see in Koneda's story. In folklore, some horses are creatures that are shapeshifters, like also in Koneda's story, that can take the appearance of a horse. In carvings on ancient stones and in stories handed down since the time of prehistory reference is made to horse-like mythical creatures. Many inhabit locks, rivers, lakes, I guess locks and lakes are the same, waterfalls and the sea, just like the Cursed Prince. There's this interesting story that I'm going to share with you about this lost Breton city of Curris that sunk beneath the sea, just kind of like Atlantis, I guess, and also sounded very similar to Koneda's story. Uh, the story involves the Queen of the North, Malvin, and King Grathon. The pair rode Morak, Malvin's magical black horse, also black, by the way, who is described as being able to ride on the sea and breathe fire from his nostrils like dragons. Um, if you're a fan of middle grade books, last fall, gosh, maybe two years ago, I read The Coming Storm by Regina M. Hansen. It's a ghost story set on Prince Edward Island full of Scottish folklore, one of which is a terrifying horse used by a siren to lure victims into the sea. Okay, so I know Scottish folklore is different from Irish folklore, but I thought it worth mentioning mostly because I love the spooky historical fantasy, The Coming Storm. I'll link it all below for anyone interested in reading, and if you're like me and was just very interested in the mythology behind these shape-shifting horses, 
Anyway, <laughs> Aristide is a cursed prince and saves the life of our hero, Kaneda, multiple times. I found this particular relationship with the story to be the most profound. Male friendships, positive ones especially, seem to pop up more so in folklore and fantasy than any other genre. Um, but even then, it seems rare. Often, males are pitted against one another as foils for the antagonist or protagonist. But as far as positive male friendships in literature, I'm mostly thinking of like Lord of the Rings, which is such a great story for masculine positivity um, and beautiful look at male friendships. Well, I suppose also the middle grade genre has some great male friendship pairings, um, contemporary ones. However, more contemporary authors have paired up female and male friendships rather beautifully and more often than they would pair up male friendships. I guess that's just a mirror of our society, maybe, wanting to see more friendships between males and females. Anyway, this story, Conedas, takes it a step further and calls this friendship, brotherhood, true love. That honestly stopped me in my tracks. Even the third time reading through, I was so surprised by this. I don't see it too often in public domain literature, especially classic and much older pieces, but of course, it is true love. The trust those two had for each other the entire journey was beautiful and compelling. I do appreciate when it was time for Koneda to sacrifice the cursed horse. Oh my goodness. Oh, I was almost crying. That all it took to take our cursed prince's life was intention. And then, you know, the knife or magic of the knife and the curse, I guess, did most of the work after that. True love is always the answer to breaking an enchantment, and it will always be my favorite solution to breaking a spell. <laughs> but I love the spin this story did than the usual and simple decoration of love. What do you think? This is my favorite part of the story. Some of my very own truest loves are a love and friendship. Okay, can you tell I enjoyed this story? I really, really enjoyed Koneda as our hero. I so much goodness in just one character. But I don't know. There's so much goodness to be found in the whole story. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much for listening to me chat about all things Koneda as a hero. I mean, I didn't even get into Ireland as a setting. Well, perhaps another time. I would love to look into the different locks and histories of these people. Mythological and not. It's all so fascinating. Next week, I'll have some more fairy tales to share with you that I found in the public domain, then another narrated short story after that, and soon it'll be Christmas. <laughs> wow. I hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving, by the way, gathering with friends and family this season, and if you're out of the U.S. and didn't celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you had a lovely week. I'm looking forward to this next season. We have a lot of Christmas and winter-themed literature headed your way. Until next time, with love and gratitude, J.H. <laughs>